What was your first date? Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my lord, I don't remember to you. Our first date was we went to the Colonial Heights landfill together. He's a romantic. Yeah. <laughs> Our second date was she went to a funeral with me. Uncle Herman's funeral. <laughs> awesome. Our first date was to a movie theater. Yeah. You saw a movie. Movie? Our first date was actually a triple date, and it was to the circus, Franklin Brothers and Martin Taylor's house. Well, our, our first date, uh, we went to a Mexican restaurant uh, in San Antonio, and uh, the one thing I will say about the first date is definitely memorable because there was an incident with a bouncy ball and salsa. Wow, it sounds like most first dates begin at a Mexican restaurant. Well, who knew? <laughs> you remember our first date, don't you? I do. Well, you can't just say yes. That doesn't. What, what, what did we do? We went to the Strawberry Patch. That was a dinner place. Yep, in Houston. My favorite. It's yep. closed now. Yep, and then a movie. And we mm -hmm. saw Rocky 2, yeah. 3. What, whichever, June 1st, 1982 was our first date. So, whatever installment of Rocky was out. What are they up to, like 47 now? Rocky 40s, he's 119 years old, so, but uh, anyway, yeah, hey, listen, it's good to see everybody here today as we are, gosh, can you believe our, our last sermon on five dates for your marriage, and uh, I've had a, had a great time with that. Before we kind of get started on that, I do want to speak to something that uh, really fits inside of today, fits inside of this series, while it might not sound like it, and, and that is divorce. You know, divorce is about marriage. Divorce is about a, a past marriage. It's about still the possibility of a future marriage. Uh, divorce is how we think about marriage. I mean, there, there's people throughout this room, maybe watching us online, whose concept of marriage is as much shaped by a divorce, maybe that they went through as children or, or have gone through themselves. That, that divorce shapes how they look at marriage as much as any one other element that can affect that. And so it's really important we, we think about that, work through that rightly. And there's a tremendous ministry out there for doing that. And by the way, I'm not sharing this because it's new and, and I, I'm trying to tell you about some. This ministry has actually been in our church for almost 15 years, I think. It's been in America uh, for probably close to 30 years. And that's divorce care. It, it's a support group, it is a, a curriculum that really helps you rightly navigate that. And it is for uh, all kinds of people. It might sound like, oh, okay, you, you do that if you just got divorced. A actually, your divorce may have been 15 years ago. I, I would say this is for you. 15 months ago, we've had couples in there that are separated. People in there that are maybe not even separated, they're, they're married, but they're thinking 
about divorce. All those kind of elements, all those kind of people groups have been in and found a a tremendous help by what divorce care offers. And so just want to put that out there for you. I think out in our concourse today, there's a stand set up. You can get more information. You can also, you'll see in your bulletin, go online. Uh, Whether it's for you, whether it's for somebody that you know uh, that, that might be looking for something like that, there is a there is a very effective uh, way to, to walk through and process that. So just want to put that out there because so much of a marriage is touched and affected by a, a, a divorce. So we want to work with that rightly. Well, we are today, uh, as I said, we're here at our last message, Five Dates for Your Marriage. The new year is over. We started this series with the new year, and, and it's not the new year anymore. The, the new year, 2018, is well underway. Are your good intentions, are they well underway? All right, we came into the new year, I'm going to do this, be that. Maybe if you're a part of this series, maybe marriage had something to do with your good intentions. Are you going out on the dates? Okay, yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, that's... You, you, did you see somebody, hear somebody? That's good, yeah. Okay, we, we've, okay right over here. Yeah. We, we, we've talked about four dates so far. We've talked about building our story, uh, finances, fighting. And, and last week, Karen and I together talked about prayer. And you know, in none of these has there been anything, I think, complex or, or hard. Or if you try to do this, it'll probably be embarrassing. No, I think in all of these things... It's been pretty simple. As a matter of fact, I've kind of wondered if we've approached it too simply. You know, just given too simple of ideas. But in the simplicity, our encouragement is, is taking a step. Man, it's just so, it's so easy in life, in family, in marriage. It's just, it's just running away with us. And we're not, we're not taking steps, whether they be hard or, or simple. And uh, man, take, take the step. Take the step. Our, uh, your, your kids, your grandkids, our culture needs to see us loving and caring for our mate, loving and caring for marriage. And so we want to, uh, we want to give our, our very best efforts uh, to that. And so that uh, if you haven't been on a date yet, we've got Valentine's in front of us. This should be a, an easier week to go on a date, right? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, I hope I hope so. Right? It's it's Valentine's. Uh, listen, if you're out on a Valentine date and you haven't done one of the dates yet, uh, might want to go back to the church app and you can see all all the messages there. Click on sermon notes and go back to build our story and uh, go through those notes. You'll see ten questions uh, that I gave to you there. And I, I think if you go out on a Valentine's date and use those questions, that'll create a good mood, some good conversation, maybe set the mood for a date that uh, sizzles <laughs> our topic today. <laughs> you know, we start all our, um, our topics on dating about God, and one of the wonderful things how Jesus is described in the Bible is as the word of life. He can bring life back into every area of our life. And he can bring a life into our marriage. Mm -hmm. And this comes from being close to him and near to him. And um, the Lord wants us to be near to him. In the Bible it says in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is the kind of God that we have. And then it also says that we can have a confidence coming to him. It says in Hebrews 
Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, not because of how good I am, my godliness comes from the Lord only, it's because of Jesus' blood that I can have a confidence to go before the Lord, the Almighty God on His throne. I can come to Him without sin because Jesus' blood took away all of my sin, my past, present, and future, because His blood is eternal. And then I can have a confidence, not only am I declared without sin and righteous, a confidence as his child. I mean, the Lord declared me that I'm his child. I can come to him with the spirit of Abba, Father, Daddy. Then I can have a confidence that comes in and just, just says that, you know, I love you. I love you, and he loves me, and he has a mercy and a, a grace for me. So we have a confidence to come to him. And then there's one more past, or verse I want you to see. In John 17, 3, it says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ you have sent. I love this. Eternal life can begin right now in knowing God. And this is what God wants for us, to know him. And that word right there in the Greek is called gnoskosin. And gnoskosin is the very word that is used to describe marriage throughout the Bible. Just as a husband and wife can know each other in a loving, intimate way with forgiveness and mercy and an agape love, a faithful love, this is the kind of spiritual love that God has for us, that we can know him and he loves us in a faithful agape love and he builds us up through prayer and his word with his spirit. So we get the, the purpose of marriage right here. One of the purposes of marriage is, of marriage is right here in this verse to show that Randy and I in our marriage that we know each other, we love each other, we have a faithful love. It shows God's spiritual love for us. Yeah, so as God creates this place where we can come close to Him, He then turns around and creates a relationship on this earth that is to be mirror, to be similar to the kind of relationship that we can have with Him. And He introduces that relationship. I, I always love the placement of this. I mean, we're literally seconds off the creation of the universe, and, and right away what God is introducing to us is this relationship of marriage, this unique relationship between a man and a woman, a, a verse I, I, I think a lot of us are familiar with, Genesis 2, 24 to 25. I've, I've used this verse a couple of times through this series, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So we have a relationship where we're going to hold fast to each other, where we're going to grow as oneness, where we're going to be naked and unashamed. Have you ever read that and thought, why did God tell us that? Is that do you read that and think, thank you, Lord, I didn't need to know that. Is that I mean, does that really seem like necessary information to give us their clothing status at that, at that moment? And, uh, you know, folks, anytime you read something in Scripture, you should ask, God, why did you say that? Because you know what? God's not random and he's not accidental. He's very purposeful. There's a reason he put that phrase there. And that phrase, I think, is to drive us. And I do think it's about more than a clothing status. Uh, that phrase is to drive us to the uniqueness 
of what he's creating in this relationship, a relationship where there is this vulnerability, there is this trust, there's this playfulness, there's a a place of acceptance and security, and it's not like any other relationship. Hey, we have good relationships in this world and relationships that mean a lot to us, that are significant to us, but this one is absolutely distinct. In this, think about this, think about that last line, Yeah, well, anyway, that last line there, naked and unashamed. And folks, I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm not saying this to be funny. But think about it. There's no other relationship where that's the goal. It's not my goal. It's not your goal to be naked and unashamed with my grandparents, with my parents, with kids, with friends, with co-workers. It sounds like that. Oh, you're saying that to be funny. Think about it. No. That, that phrase is nowhere else used. And in, in that, God is pointing to the uniqueness of this relationship. And that uniqueness is its holiness. And it is to be treated with a respect. It is to be protected and honored. Look at what God says in Hebrews 13.5. Let marriage be held in honor. Some translations actually say, let the marriage be treated as holy, respected as holy among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Boy, that's that's a heavy last line there, isn't it? And you know, folks, when you look at that last line, sexually immoral and adulterous, you realize that one, I mean, this whole big Bible, that one line alone right there, what is that, four words, is pretty much why America is walking away from the Bible and why America is walking away from the church. I'm, I'm not suggesting there's not other questions and issues and challenges and problems that people have and are, are trying to work through and whether they believe, whether they want to be in church. There's a variety of things. They're all second to this. They're, they're all second place to this. Th- this is why America says, I don't, want, I, don't want to, I don't need a God. I don't need a God telling me what my sexuality is. I don't need a God telling me how I'm to behave and live and act uh, sexually. I don't, I don't need that. I can do my own thing and, and to get out from any sense of guilt. I just reject this altogether. So this is a big line. And then as if that's not big enough, we have to add three words. God will judge. I mean, we don't even like those words in church, if we're being honest with ourselves. Just don't like the idea of God judging. That sounds so mean. That sounds so hard. But do you see what is here, folks? Don't don't see a mean God saying, I'll judge this. See a God who wants to protect and honor what he's designed for you. A God who's passionate and zealous and protective of a gift that he has for you. And it's in that that he says these words. Now, God doesn't always just deal with this in in a heaviness. There's actually, I think, some very fun ways, some very romantic ways that God tries to communicate the very same thing. That, that we want to protect and we want to honor what, what is given here. I like Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15 to 19. And, and this passage is presented as a father speaking to his son. A, a, a father is talking to his son about, about sex, about marriage, about a woman out there one day. And, and the father is presenting this idea and he says it to his son this way. Drink water from your own cistern. Now, this is a poetic passage, so I'll just make it clear. It ain't about water, and it ain't about a cistern, okay? 
It, what he's saying here is uh, enjoy sex, be, be, be refreshed by that one well, <laughs> one relationship in life, only one. Don't let your sex, don't let your sexuality just pour out there into the streets. Well, let me finish reading. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? No, let them be for you alone, you and your mate, and and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with, listen to this word, delight. If you're under the concept that the only thing God and the church has to say about sex is no. No, here's another word, delight. Man, I want this to be a delight for you. The last line, be intoxicated always in her love. So intoxicate it. Those are God's words. Intoxicate it. You know, um, I know there's a song out there, it's called Drunk With Love. But um, those words right there, just, just this part, drunk with love, that's actually what these words are. It's better than wine. Our physical relationship with one another is to be intoxicating. It also is supposed to be delightful. And then another word in here, it says to be filled, to be satisfied. That word actually is satiated. It means to be so full that nothing else can be appealing to you. You're to be so full. It would be an example, an example of that might be going to the Pizza Hut buffet and eating and eating. And after you eat, someone says, hey, you want to go to Taco Bell? And you're like, no. <laughs> no, because we're so, we're so Hut, full. Now we're on the way to Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it just not be right. But that's... <laughs> no. But that's what God says. We're to be satiated with one another's love in marriage, our physical intimacy with one another. We're supposed to delight and be intoxicated with each other. The Lord says so much about marriage and the sexual relationship. He invented it. He created it. Almost in every book of the Bible, he talks about it, the purity, the holiness, and he He gives so much description about it. There's a whole book in the Bible about intoxicating um, love and romance between a husband and wife, and that's um, Song of Solomon's. It is very descriptive, but we see that the Lord built us and designed us in marriage for pleasure, but there's a problem. I mean, he, God's holy, there's purity, and all of this is wonderful. The problem is most of us in here have not taken our cues from God and his word, but we've, we've learned about sex and intimacy and marriage and, and outside marriage and everything. We learned all about that from the world, from movies, from the TV, from the Internet. Satan has hijacked this subject, and he is destroying us with it. Instead of building us up, and holiness and purity. Satan has taken this gift of God and he's using it to tear us apart and rip us apart and destroy lives. So we need to know what God says and God says so much more than you could ever believe. So I want to recommend a book for you. It's Intended for Pleasure by Ed Wheat. I want everyone to read this book. 
It is so good. It's written by uh, MD, OBGYN, who loves the Lord very much. So he's going to tell you the very physical part and scientific part of how God has created us for pleasure. He even has pictures in here. But of the body <laughs> and how God designed us um, for pleasure. And it's a wonderful book. So even if you're you're young, you're single, you're young and married, you're old and married, middle age and married. It's for everybody. Everybody should read this book because it gives you a holy picture of God's design. And it's incredible. And it's a way to get what God says into our hearts and mind about the sexual relationship. The number two, you know, get this book, but it's it's in the church. This is where we learn God's design. So, you know, we have the sermon series that we're talking about it. We're signing up for life groups. Like I said, almost every book of the Bible talks about the sexual relationship. And that's what we do in life group. We go through the books of the Bible. And so it's in life group. We also have Bible studies, women's Bible studies, discipleship classes. And in the women's Bible study, I want to mention one in particular. It's called Apples of Gold. There's a whole lesson on how to love your husband. And the older, older women in the church do teach us how to love our husbands. So it's, it's wonderful. God wants us to know. He's a God who communicates. And so that's why we're going to get this book. And we're going to hold fast to the church and to the word, so that we can build, be built up in holiness in the area of pleasure. Yeah, I, I use this book a lot with a young couple or couples that, that are getting married. That, that book, Intended for Pleasure, I think it was published in like 79 or 80, and is still on the shelf today, still being produced. There's just hardly anything as, as good as that. It's just a, uh, I, I always tell couples I'm marrying, sex is the thing we think we know the most about because we've seen it or we've done it. And usually know the very least about it. Uh, because we've reduced sex really to nothing more than what animals do. And uh, yet what is going on in us emotionally and spiritually is, is very different than, than an animal. And so the book introduces a lot from a, a scriptural study to a physiological study. Uh, the back third of the book is, again, he's a doctor. Uh, it's his like 101 most asked questions in the office. That just makes for some darn interesting reading. Uh, you, you might want to get it just for that. So uh, we, we really encourage that. You know, there's, there's just so many issues. I mean, to reduce a topic like this down to one message. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's so many issues. I, I think when we present what we're presenting in a moment, it, it can almost come across shallow. Like, like are, are you kidding? Do you know what we're dealing with out here? Do you know where I've been? Do you know what has happened to me? And, and, and there's so many different ways from he, here's some positive issues, here's just neutral issues, to, hey, here's some of the negative issues that, that have happened to me or, or to us. There's just so much going on out there to kind of boil it down to a couple of ideas. But I, I, I do want to say this, is because one big thing that happens is our past, our, our past is an issue because for far too many of us, we are carrying, uh, you know, multiple partners, multiple experiences. We're carrying pornography. We're carrying sexual abuse. We're, we're carrying guilt and shame. And he, even as, oh, that was, like, that was 20 years ago, it impacts today. It has a, you can have a good, loving relationship with your mate and it, and it touches, it impacts today. And, and so, you know, one thing I would say to that day doesn't resolve it all. But one thing I would say to that today is God loves you. 
And whether your past is a week old or decades old, God loves you. And he wants you to. He has a way for you to experience his design and his plan and what he has for you in this. But that's not meant to just be a warm, fuzzy feeling. Oh, God loves me. Well, there's a way to experience that love. There's a way to experience that plan. And there's two key words here. Repentance and obedience. We've used the phrase a lot, Karen said, taking our cues from the world. Hey, listen, all of us are shaped by that. Okay, or, you know, the, sex, sexuality, the world is telling me one thing. My own feelings are telling me something. I repent. Repent simply means a U-turn. I, I stop going the way of the world, and I'm going to go God's way, what he has to say about that. And, of course, closely tied to obedience is trust. I, I've got to trust his word. I've got to trust him as the designer and uh, carry on in his way and so it's kind of all those issues out there I'm putting that out there I recognize that but now what we want to kind of do is just say okay let's go on this date and and let's work on what the design that God has given us and there's a lot of issues that bring us to that design but we're just we're just jumping to the design and I'm calling this the the naked and unashamed date okay now just to be clear about what this is not this is not about you going out for Valentine's naked okay and, and, and if you do, when you get arrested, do not mention my name. Do not say at my church they said, no, none of that. You're, you're completely on your own and you should be ashamed, okay? Uh, no, the, the naked and unashamed date. And, and folks, when you hear it with those, see that phrase, naked and unashamed, I want you to keep thinking environment. We're, we're going on a date to create an environment and if it Yes, where it's comfortable, where it's safe to take her clothes off. God uses that word for a purpose, a place where we can be vulnerable, where we can be safe, where we trust. There's no fear, no fear of being rejected. Not today, not tomorrow, not a year from now. There's no fear of not measuring up. There's, there, there's, there's no fear of, of the wrong performance, no fear of any of that. No, man, we're creating an environment here. We want to give you three words for that environment. Karen, why don't you give us the first word? Now, let's start off our date with encouraging one another. Let's, you know, begin doing something we should do every day. And that's just to build each other up and um, tell our spouse and share with our spouse what they mean to you and what they do that blesses you. Just encourage them. We need that so much in a world where we wonder, you know, if at work uh, they accept us or on the team or, you know, we wonder how people feel about us. We should never have to wonder that with our spouse. So let's start, you know, telling one another why we love them and, and what they mean to us. So, for example, Randy, I would say, I love you very much and you're a wonderful husband. You've given me not only a marriage, but a fellowship. Um, you've made that, you know, uh, a cord of three strands real in our life and in our marriage. You put God first. You put me and the children above your own needs. And you have loved us faithfully. And um, that's just the sexiest thing for a woman. <laughs> you've given me. And, and I would say, I really am awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I didn't I, I, you wait till I get to number two. <laughs> no, but, no, but it, you've given me a marriage more than I could ever ask or think. And 
you put God first, and he's just really blessed me. And I have a poem for you. So it's from a real famous poet, uh, not Shakespeare or uh, Browning, but Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> it says, if you live to be a hundred, I want to live a hundred minus one day, so I would never have to live a day without you. That's exactly how I feel about you. I don't get an awe. <laughs> no, especially after your heart episode. I started praying, Lord, help me not, not um, to live without Randy and help me, let me go first. I actually pray that. That seems but, kind of selfish. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I am grateful for you and I am grateful so much for our marriage. I just feel extremely blessed by that. So that's where we encourage. We encourage. It should be pretty easy at this point in our, our um, marriage series because we've already had a date to remember, and that's pulling our emotions back um, together where we remember how God brought us together and we've gone through our story that our ups and downs, our highs and lows, God's working in us to be part of an eternal story, to be part of his good eternal work. And so we're remembering that. And so that's, it, it makes it easier to encourage him with that. We've also um, been praying and having our quiet time. And, and I've been practicing saying thank you for Randy and thank you for the things that he does in our marriage and life. And so I'm not complaining about him because God hates complaining. He says that over. Do not whine or complain. He says it over and over throughout his word. But he wants us to be thankful and everything. So I've been saying my thank yous. And so we come to this date, the date that sizzles. And emotionally, I can, it's, it's easier now for me to encourage him because it's been on my heart, my mind, my emotions are built up. And we're coming together emotionally. Yeah, so we ask the Lord, how can I encourage my mate? How do I... How do I tell him those good things about him or her? And then that leads to number two. And actually, you know, folks, isn't it interesting? I mean, encouraging ought to be easy. That's not a hard step. And, and yet in marriage at times, you actually get to this place where it seems awkward. It seems hard to tell you, hey, here's why I love you. Here's what I appreciate about you. Here's what I'm, I'm grateful. And there's a variety of reasons that can happen. And one of them actually is pride. And that's why a second word for this date is, is to be humble. We, we need to be humble. We need to think about how we bless, how we serve, how we encourage another, how we create that security and that safety. And, you know, in my pride, what I will sometimes think is, well, you know what, if you don't feel secure, that's your problem. That's not my, I haven't done anything to make you feel insecure. I haven't done anything for you uh, to need to be encouraged. You know, I mean, we, we just constantly defend ourselves. Hey, what if, what if her insecurity does have nothing to do with me? I haven't done or said anything for her to feel insecure. Hey, maybe she has arrived here because of an insecurity or insecurities from, from something else in life, uh, you know, in the week or even before we were married. But as her mate, I married I married her, I married the insecurities, I married the failures, I married the, the, the struggles, I married the abuse. Anything out there, we, we married that. And in pride tells me to say, that's not my problem, that's your problem. Humility says, how do I help? How do I encourage in that? And, and it, it takes humility. We have to have a mindset. Again, it's a prayer. As we go out on this date, Lord, how do I need to be? Not just what's the word humble mean and how do I do that? No, how do I need to be humble before her? What, what's it mean to be humble 
to, to him. You, you know, sometimes humility is, is recognizing, hey, I have done some things that, that stress security in our marriage or, or encouragement in our marriage. I've said discouraging things. I've, I've done discouraging things. But in our pride, no, I'm not going to confess what I've done wrong. As a matter of fact, in my pride, I'm offended if you've seen the wrong I've done. I'm offended that we're talking about my one wrong and not all the wrongs you've done, right? See, pride always protects and defends me. But in marriage, it's about loving and serving and caring and building the other. The, the other. And, and, and so in pride, I want to dominate. I want to control. It's my agenda. It's my way. It's not my problem. It's, it's yours. But but. Humility takes ownership. Humility says, what can I do? And really, that kind of leads to our third word. And I was thinking, um, our marriage verse is Ephesians 4.32. Mm-hmm. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So that really... Humility for all those things to happen. It really does. And so we come together emotionally by encouraging one another and spiritually by um, being humble and sincere and, and forgiving one another. And our last um, area for the date that sizzles is to serve one another. And when we say serve one another, I want you to know I'm really saying physical intimacy should occur. So... Um, there should be a time of delight and enjoyment and satisfaction and pleasure with one another. And I think that's the best way to say um, physical intimacy is to serve one another. Because it is what God commands us to do in a marriage relationship. And it should have an attitude of serving. Um, there's so much of giving yourself 100%. It's not... It's not about selfish, what do I get, what I, it's 100% serving and giving. And God uses that to do a work. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 7, the first five verses, God commands, Paul says to the married people, he said, make sure you're not depriving one another, lest you fall in temptation. They're in Corinth, and Corinth has multiple, multiple um, sexual sins all around and um, so Paul sees that and says, hey, if you're married, satisfy one another. Be satiated with one another. Fill each other up so you don't fall into temptation. It's serving one another. That's one of the reasons why we have this in marriage. So it keeps us from temptation. It would be kind of like in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, George Bailey and... Um, uh, the policeman, Bert, they're standing by the car and this pretty girl walks by in a real pretty dress and George yells out, hey, Violet, where'd you get that dress? And I, she was looking very pretty and Violet said, oh, this thing, I just wear it when I don't care how I look. And so, um, and so the policeman looks at George and says, you know, I think I might go have lunch with my wife. So anyway, that's just a picture of really what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians, what God is telling us that we're to satisfy one another. And in this serving, we're bringing comfort to one another, protection, we're bringing safety. But but the thing that comes to our mind, do I want to give 100%? Do I want to, do they deserve it? Does my spouse deserve it? 
I just want you to know, in every area of our life, not just in the physical intimacy, but in every area, we, we serve and do our very best as unto the Lord. And that's what Colossians says right here. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We do as unto the Lord. I, this is where I know that God commands this for me in a marriage to be have a, a delight in marriage and a satisfying um, physical part of marriage. And so I trust God. I believe upon him and his word. And I know that he's given me a spouse and a mate to love so I can do this because I love him as unto the Lord. And it takes away whether it's deserve it or not. And then um, we see that in John 13, 3 through 4, it's not about, you know, how I feel or how this makes me feel. I get all that from my quiet time with the Lord. The Lord's building me up, and he's reminding me that I'm his child. I've been chosen by him, and I'm greatly loved by him. I've forgiven completely. There's no condemnation that he's coming back again um, to, to get me. And I know all of this relationship so I can serve my husband in this area of marriage. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, and then he put a towel around his waist and he washed the disciples' feet. It wasn't about whether the disciples deserved it or not. It was because he knew he w- who he was in the Lord. So Karen Hahn, I know, like I said earlier, I'm a child of God. I've been chosen by him. I know that he's coming back for me. And because of that, I can put on a pretty perfume and I can serve my husband. I know who I am because of God. And that agape love fills me up and it can overflow into my relationship with Randy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting, just, I mean, if I, I think I break down the world's way and God's way of two words, take and give. And, and, you know, in the world's way, the sexual relationship, that's something you take, that's something you get. It's, it's what I get out of this, what this is doing for me, how this helps me. What God gives us, though, is a relationship, is, is a sex where you give, where you serve the well-being of the other. So, and th- I will say, yes. the more you give, the more you receive. And that works in this part, too. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. I did not say that. Let, he, let's close in prayer and go home. <laughs> I didn't, I, now, I'm not a jokester. I don't banter very well. Uh, this is killing me to be up here. Yeah, uh-huh. But it I just want like you to know, I did not say that in the other two services, but I thought it. Okay. I wish I would have said it. Yeah. All right, I'm completely off track now. Um, I'm literally like three sentences from being done, and I can't even pick up what, what they are. But so we're, we're creating an environment, right? That's what we're doing. In a, and it, we do this in all of our marriage, not just on the date. But what the date does is it focuses me. It focuses us. Hey, we're trying to build an environment of encouragement, of, of humility, of serving. We're coming together. And those three words will always bring the sizzle. It's true. It, it's those three words, what we're doing with those three words and encouraging, we're coming together emotionally, and that humbleness and forgiving, we're coming together spiritually, yeah. and that um, physical intimacy, we're coming together um, physically. So we have all three parts of marriage, and that's what makes the date that sizzles. Yeah. One, one thought, okay, one thought, because if you notice, there, there, I mean, sex permeates everything, doesn't it? It permeates society, it permeates thoughts, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And, and you know, that's exactly how we need to walk into tomorrow. 
that, that I have a responsibility to protect, to protect the marriage, whether I'm married or not. But certainly and when I am married, to protect this marriage, to honor that marriage. And so one thought to keep in mind is, listen, everything you do, seen and unseen, heard and unheard, is having an impact on, a, on an environment where we can be naked and unashamed or on chipping away at that environment. Notice I say see and unseen, heard and unheard. I mean, obviously, if Karen sees me do something mean to her, hears me say something discouraging, well, obviously, we all know, okay, that. But, folks, it's, it's things that she'll never see. It's things that she'll never hear. Conversations she doesn't know I had, things that I watch, things that I read, just ways I, I carry myself in life. See, we, we have to think, well, she doesn't know. He doesn't know. But it's still separate. Everything, yes. Everything has an impact on that environment. And that's why if you start putting together now all these verses, there is a protection. And that protection is for the uniqueness and the holiness of what God has given us in marriage, which includes delight and pleasure. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your good word. Father, your word speaks to, as Karen said earlier, it speaks to life and life eternal. Your word speaks to to the fullness of life. And Lord, you give direction to every area of life. Oh God, forgive us that, that at times we remain ignorant of what your word has to say about various areas in our life, or, or Lord, maybe it's worse than being we're ignorant, we're, we're rebellious, we're rejecting what your word says, and we're, we're letting feelings, emotions, we're letting cues from the world carry us in, a, in another direction. Oh God, would you, would you help us turn from that and turn to you and to your word and to trust? And Lord, I, I know there's, there's more issues here and there's other things going on that, that do need to be addressed that, that can significantly affect that we haven't talked about today. Uh, but Lord, I, I pray for each of us that we go to you and we go to your word. And Lord, that we can, for our kids, our grandkids, for our culture and our society, we can be good stewards of the relationship of marriage. We can protect it and honor it. Uh, Lord, we ask for your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.